It's become really clear in recent years that the world is becoming more bike-friendly. But we were wondering, are Canada's rural communities doing enough to be part of that change? There's certainly an economic argument to be made for doing more around cycling infrastructure, in addition to the health and wellness arguments. But there's also an important community-building aspect of being bike-friendly. We do see some great examples of this in the town of Essex and neighbouring communities in southern Ontario. And today we're really pleased to have Laurie Newton, Executive Director of an organization called Bike Windsor Essex, with us on Rural Spark to talk about the benefits of these kinds of investments and offer us some tips from her experience on how to get the process going in other rural communities across Canada. Hello, Laurie, and welcome to Rural Spark. Hello, Helen. How are things down in Essex, Windsor this morning? Well, you know, we've had a lovely fall. It's been pretty mild. People are still out cycling and enjoying the season. And uh, other than a little bit of rain today, hopefully we will continue to have fall. Well, that's great. And, you know, I'm, I cycle, but I'm not, you know, I haven't gotten into the level of cycling that you do where it's, you know, pretty much your personal and professional uh, pursuits. But I have, this is the latest, I think, you know, we're almost at Halloween now and um, I'm still cycling. So it's been a good fall for that, I think. Wonderful. Yes, it has. And uh, the longer you push it, the longer you find you can go. Oh, excellent. So I shouldn't be afraid to stretch it into November. That'll be the first time actually that I've been cycling in November if I can do it this year. So, so far so good. Those are are boasting points for the next year. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. I cycled all the way into December. Mm. Ah, yeah. I'll give it a go. There you go. So we're really keen to talk about you know, uh, rural communities in Canada in cycling infrastructure and policies and supports and that kind of thing. And I know you've been involved with those areas in Ontario. So you're working with an organization called Bike Windsor Essex, or is it Essex Windsor? It's Bike Windsor Essex. Windsor Essex. Okay. So you're advocating for safe cycling infrastructure and supports for cycling. So your area, as I understand it, with that that group, covers both rural and urban communities. So I'm wondering, in your experience, Are those efforts very different when it comes to the rural-urban divide? Sometimes I know I've been guilty of thinking about cycling infrastructure and advocacy for cycling as being an urban issue. And I can see why some people would think that. Uh, When we have our cities, we're looking at very dense populations in a core where we're wanting separated protected bike lanes, a lot of it. But in the county, it's a little bit different, right? We're happy with connecting communities through paved shoulders on arterial roads that don't have a lot of traffic. So a lot more traffic in urban centers, a lot less in the county, but still people need to get to where they need to get to. And we should have options to walk, cycle, take a bus or drive our cars. Right, and we both know that some rural communities, I, I, you know, I recently drove through eastern Canada, and we went off the Trans-Canada Highway into some other communities, but where the highway or a secondary highway is actually the main street mm-hmm. of a rural community. So is this paving um, the shoulders of highways, is that part of what we see happening and need to see happening for rural communities? Yeah, so other than the 400 series of highways where cyclists and pedestrians are not allowed for good reason of high speeds and high, high traffic volumes, paving these rural arterial roads is very, very important because they're relatively low cost. You know, if you 
You think about the distances that have to be covered in the county, uh, as opposed to a city where you might be doing uh, bike lanes on a few blocks or a kilometer or two in the county. There can be many, many kilometers. Our furthest community here would, from the city of Windsor would probably be Leamington, and that's a 45-minute drive. Mm. And its next community is some five or so kilometers away to get to Kingsville. So connecting those communities is very important. And a, an added bonus of doing paved shoulders is that the roads last longer. So they're not having to resurface nearly as often as they did when there were gravel shoulders. So it's a win-win for everybody. And that's that's really what we're always looking for is how can we provide a win-win both from an economic aspect and providing safe roads for all road users. Yeah, it does seem that we need to have that economic argument. Uh, you know, we can't just say, let's build a cycling infrastructure because more people like to cycle and it's good for our health and that sort of thing. It always helps to have a nice bottom line financial argument. And one of those things you and I talked about recently was around the economic benefits of developing rural cycling infrastructure when it comes to tourism in particular. What have you seen in terms of what a difference cycling infrastructure can make to tourism development? Tourism is, is huge, as you know. Uh, one of the biggest feats that we've achieved down here in this region is a bike hike lane on the new international bridge that's going to connect uh, Detroit to Windsor and really Canada and the USA. Wow. That wonderful bike hike lane is going to take people out into the county. You will spill out into Ontario, welcome to Canada, and you'll be able to access our rural communities very easily through connected, safe, and protected where possible bike lanes. And that's to explore our wine region. We are, of course, in the middle of the Great Lakes down here, and there's beautiful, beautiful uh, bike trails and places to ride your bike where you can experience the wonderful region that we have here. I want to pause briefly here to say a word of thanks to our sponsor, ExploreNet, for supporting the Rural Spark discussion. I think we can all agree that rural areas of Canada should have access to the same amazing internet technologies as our biggest cities. And what's so interesting about ExploreNet, their network is bringing 5G-ready tech to rural Canadians even before it gets delivered in urban areas. You can learn more and check out what ExploreNet services are available in your area by visiting ExploreNet.com. That's X-P-L-O-R-N-E-T dot com. Laurie, when we look at tourism and, and connecting small towns, what about when we look at those communities within themselves in terms of a place to live and work, you know, for local people to actually get around within or, you know, around the town limits for school, for work, for shopping, for appointments, that's another kind of uh, cycling infrastructure and vision. Is it a little lower down the list of priorities sometimes, or, or do you think that might be a core argument to make when we're looking at, you know, working with our municipalities to improve bike infrastructure? That's a great question. We have seven municipalities in this region that did not amalgamate during that amalgamation phase of the government. And every community is a little bit different. So in LaSalle, for example, which is a, a, a more dense town than the city of Windsor, believe it or not, they have been investing in a, in a long-term plan for cycling and walking infrastructure in that town. And uh, people are moving there. And developers will tell you that a house exactly the same in LaSalle as in another community like Lakeshore is going to be valued significantly more in LaSalle. People want to be on those 
trails. They want the opportunity to walk out their back door and to be able to get on their bicycles or walk their dogs or their children and go to run errands, go to visit friends, go to community events. So it is very, very important that we're listening to the people who live in those communities and getting them to be able to get to things they want to. Obviously, uh, if you're working a 45-minute car drive from where you live, then that's going to be a lot different. I mean, then, then we're connecting the last mile, as they say. Then we want you to be able to maybe walk or take your bike to public transit or to a, a ride share of some sort. Right. And in your area, we have one of the towns is the town of Essex. And it seems that Essex has been making some pretty impressive progress as a bike friendly town. Can you tell us a little bit about that? We are so proud of the town of Essex. They applied to be a bike-friendly community twice, and the second time was the charm. What they've done is really remarkable. So the county itself, through the county-wide active transportation system, connects the communities, but then it's up to the communities to develop the infrastructure within the community to connect to those other trails. And Essex has done that beautifully. They've also got all of the wineries in their region, and so they're connecting the wineries to each other. And they're, they're going to be going right to the border of Kingsville this year. So they're making huge infrastructure inroads. And then they've worked with Bike Windsor Essex to provide more encouragement, to provide education. So we trained this year all of their parks and rec staff in can bike cycling so that they all have the tools when they're working with children in day camps or when they're working with the community for community events. They're trained and they know the very basics in the rules of the road, how to cycle safely, how to make sure your bike is, is safe and fit for riding. So they've just done a marvelous job. And that is sending a message to the other communities that they can do that too. Uh, people who are looking to come down here uh, and retire, there's a lot of that movement from the GTA. They're looking for communities where they can be outside riding their bikes and enjoying all of the amenities that those communities have. And, and Essex is just committed to this. And their, uh, their designation of a bike-friendly bronze award speaks to that very highly. And, you know, sometimes there is this healthy um, competition between small towns. So that's, that's a good thing for this kind of thing. If uh, neighboring communities are seeing Essex doing really well and, and attracting more visitors and residents, um, that's something they might want to catch up with. What, what do you think made the difference for Essex? Like, did we actually have um, bike enthusiasts on council or did they just see the economic argument, the economic sense of it? What, what made a difference that Essex really uh, took hold of this? some strong uh, politicians on council who have been very much for active transportation. But they've also, again, because they have, you start with the economic argument, right? They have, uh, most of the wineries are in Essex. And the wineries were saying, we are having people on tours, on bicycles, coming and visiting us and spending lots of money. We need them to be able to get safely from these wineries. And then we need to get from the town center to the wineries, enjoying the greenway that we have, enjoying all of that. So I think it began with that economic argument. And then they had administration was very, very much in favor of having a more bike-friendly community and to embrace some of that uh, bike friendliness. So there was a push from a number of different angles and it came together and uh, council and the community supported that. We have spoken at many councils to support administrations that wanted to be more uh, bike friendly and we continue to do that. 
You know, it's interesting. Sometimes when I sit back and see on the on a news program about a, a local fight somewhere about you know putting in bike paths or not, and people arguing about losing parking spots and that sort of thing, sometimes it seems that just you know this is happening, right? Like our our society is moving towards being more a cycling community, and we can make go the hard way or we can go the easier way, you know, to make this right. happen. But it, that brings me to something that you and I talked about recently. It's by no means a rural area. But I was intrigued when you mentioned about Detroit, which we call the Motor City, now reinventing itself as a cycling city. That really kind of surprised me. Tell us a little bit about that. Detroit started a long time ago. There are actually some 100 bike clubs in Detroit that are riding bikes. It's a part of their culture. It used to be pride in cars. Then, uh, you know, I think one in four people can now uh, in Detroit afford a car. So they're turning to alternative transportation. They've got great big wide roads. They're of course, as we are here in Windsor and in a number of our communities situated on the Detroit River. So wonderful views, wonderful opportunities for cycle paths. And they have decided to reinvent themselves, not just with bicycles, but certainly bicycles have to be given credit for a big part of what's happening over there. They are doing a slow roll every Monday night that's attracting 3,000 people on bicycles to ride through the streets of Detroit. It's absolutely amazing and nothing bad happens. Wow, that's incredible. Well, Detroit wanted young people. And and you and I touched on that a little bit a couple of times. If you want young people, they're choosing to live a greener life. It's friendlier. It's cool. It's cool to be out on your bicycle, waving at people, saying hello, dropping into shops, dropping by cafes, and meeting up with your friends. If you're in a car, you're isolated from the world. You don't hear it. You don't smell it. You don't experience it in the same way. You're going from A to be. But on bikes, downtown Detroit, it's just amazing. And people are, are very, very friendly. And uh, they're shopping downtown. And again, bad things aren't happening over there. People are experiencing and exploring the city in ways that they've never done before. So the investment has been huge. They have consulted with leaders across the world who have come in and said, this is what you can do. Look at those big wide roads. Let's put protected bike lanes in. Let's get people coming from those outer communities into your core. And that's on a much smaller scale, what we're sort of looking at doing here in Essex County. Let's connect all of those communities surrounding the city of Windsor and bring us all together where we can enjoy the county and uh, visit each other's communities and really experience them. You know, a topic that comes up often on Rural Spark is, as you mentioned, about, uh, you know, attracting and retaining young people, young adults, young families. I think that need is really firmly on the radar of rural uh, municipalities, rural leaders across Canada. But maybe they're not always making the connection that, you know, that's one of the pieces that this demographic is looking for is bike friendly communities There's a number of things you know there's schools and parks and trails and but uh, a bike friendly community is really a selling point uh, so that might be one of the arguments i think that we can make that is going to help people who might not yet be on be you know be on the page the same page about investing in, in bike cycling infrastructure it's really one of the things that's going to help attract that young demographic It does. And it also makes our streets safer. So when you've got bike lanes on a street and you've got more human traffic on a street, the street is going to be safer. So that's another argument. Slowing car traffic down, right, is really important. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have uh, traditionally focused on getting cars through our streets as quickly as possible. But we've realized 
that cars don't go shopping. Cars don't drop by cafes, but people on bicycles do. So the economic argument is very, very strong. And our county communities are recognizing that. Kingsville has done a tremendous job. Uh, they've got a small uh, weekly bike ride. I mean, Detroit's got 3,000. And, mm. and uh, Tecumseh now has a small weekly bike ride. Demand, they started every other week. Demand is huge. And now they've got a hundred and more people showing up for a bike ride in the town of Tecumseh. Wow. Um, every Thursday night. I think they just had their last ride last week. So people, people really want it. And it's, it's young people. It is families. It is seniors. It's, it's everybody. It's like, how fun is this to be out talking to people who are riding a bicycle with you through your community? And you learn so much about the other people you live with. And it just makes a safer, more connected, friendlier community. Yeah, there is this community building aspect, you know, just bringing people together more. And you mentioned seniors. What do you see happening in terms of cycling for seniors? Someone told me recently that one of the reasons cycling is growing in that demographic is because there's a lot of people who used to run, you know, long distance running. And then they get to a, a certain age where they think maybe they'll switch it up from running, which can, you know, cause some different physical challenge at a, for some people at a certain age. Mm-hmm. And we'll switch to, to bicycles. Uh, what are you finding in that demographic? Absolutely. We see that all the time. And a lot of the people who come on these community rides are 50 years old and over. Their knees are shot. They can't do their running anymore. And they're looking for something else. And it's fun. And they discover how great it is. And then those people become advocates for better cycling infrastructure as well. It's so healthy. Couples can do it together. It can be non-competitive. For a long, long time, we thought of cycling as sort of the spandex mammal, right? The guy who's out there had to go spandex, his racing helmet, his, his carbon fiber bike out there, you know, beating the, pound, the pavement. But come to see it more as recreational for everyone and along with the commuter cycling. So uh, we have um, Windsor University is um, near our waterfront. And so we have people well in their 50s and 60s who are commuting every day all year long on their bicycles to get to work. They don't have to pay for parking. They're they're staying healthy. They can't run anymore, but they pop their bikes into their uh, offices and uh, they're good to go. Yeah, that's impressive. Now, for some folks who want to use their bike for some serious getting around, maybe they're not quite there yet, but they, they really want to do more with it. Um, I understand that battery assist bicycles are gaining popularity. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and who might benefit from them? Battery assist bicycles are changing the world. I, I actually broke down and I got myself one in January. I've, I, I'll never go back. It's, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful opportunity to flatten hills. There's no such thing as wind anymore. You can go further. You can go faster. It's a lot of fun. I never think about the weather anymore. Unless it's really, really storming out there, I don't think twice. I get on my bike and go. I just make sure that I'm dressed appropriately. Uh, Battery-assist bicycles have taken over Europe. I mean, in in Holland, in Amsterdam, battery-assist bikes, if they're not already, they're going to be the most popular style. So, you know, there are, there are a lot of um, couples who one can ride a lot further, a lot faster. And so cycling has been something that only one of them does. But with the person in the couple who can't uh, keep up with the other one can now keep up. So they can go. We've seen, uh, we've seen tours of sort of those, those faster rides where they're going 100 kilometers a day. 
Mm -hmm. And now the partner who didn't used to go isn't left behind. They can participate fully. Uh, and it's not cheating. It's just leveling the playing field. Obviously, for someone with certain disabilities, it allows them to ride a bike as well. And you can ride into uh, longer years because uh, it's just, you still work on a battery assist bike. You still have to pedal, but it assists you. So it makes it a lot easier. There's not so much stress and strain on your knees and joints. Right. That's is it something that you can retrofit on your existing bike or is that a type of bike that you buy? Well, it can be both. There's something called a Copenhagen wheel and uh, that just replaces your rear wheel and allows you to uh, have that battery assist or you can buy one. The market is changing quickly and mm -hmm. we're seeing more and more people, even on our rides here, they're out there and they're arriving in their battery assist bikes. And, and without that battery assist bike, they would not be out on that bike ride. So, you know, it's cycling is, is not an all or nothing game. You can cycle three quarters of the year, half the year, part of the year to run errands or not, to work or not. There's lots of ways that you can engage. And people sometimes think, oh, you know, I have to be super fit. I have to have all the cycling gear and the right outfit to get on a bike and go. But the pedal assist has been proven to be a very easy way for people to say, oh, well, you know, if it helps me. And as soon as you get on one and you take it for a test drive, you're like, wow, this is really fun. Uh, so now all of a sudden, you know, you've got a lot more people who can participate. And when we look at trying to make our rural communities more bike friendly, Lori, how important is it to have cycling advocacy organizations like yours? Um, I understand that there are groups like this, you know, across Ontario, across Canada. I'm not sure how plentiful are they? Um, do you think there's a lot of room for more communities to organize and to have that kind of, uh, you know, consolidated voice on cycling infrastructure? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? I think for a lot of municipalities to invest and to become really invested in an active transportation plan, they need to hear from the community. And of course, the best way to hear from the community is when there are organized groups who take the time to do research, to find out the facts and the benefits of becoming more active, and then being able to present those into sport administrations and councils that want to move forward. And they need to hear that from the community. Many cities now are becoming more bike friendly, but they are not necessarily aware of what's happening in other communities about the best type of cycling infrastructure to install. Police are not necessarily that up on this community riding stuff. You know, police officers are seeing 100 people ride by and they're like, whoa, what's happening? So the advocacy groups can both promote and push councils and um, administrations to become more bike friendly, but also ramp up the how to do it and what would be best for the community. And the encouragement piece is huge. So organizations like Bike Windsor Essex and other advocacy groups, we're doing the encouragement part. We're saying, come on, we're going to have a movie night at a park and we're all going to ride our bikes there. Or, hey, how about celebrating Canada Day with a bike ride? So they are very important, but it's important that they do their research and are informative and positive about what it means to be a bike-friendly community. And as a community just starts to get organized, you know, maybe where these organizations don't already exist and, um, you know, they're starting to think about coming together, based on your experience, and you've been at this for a while, you know, what are some tips you might provide on how to organize well to do this? And also, 
for groups that are thinking about approaching their municipality and starting that dialogue and that relationship? Are there some, you know, keys to success and maybe some pitfalls to avoid? I think that one of the most important things that a fledgling group of people who want to improve cycling in their community can do is reach out to the nearest cycling advocacy group. It's very difficult for Bike Windsor Essex to speak for so many communities here that are fairly widely apart, but it was important that those communities could draw upon our assistance. So we, for example, have had conversations now with Chatham. Chatham doesn't have a cycling advocacy group, and so they have come to our mini conferences and some of our events to see what we're doing down here. And the advocacy groups across Ontario, many of us are very, very connected. Some of that through Share the Road, the Share the Road Coalition. It's important that we share our best practices so that we're not all kind of, you know, reinventing the wheel every mm-hmm. time. So that connectivity is really important. The Ontario Bike Summit uh, takes place in April, and it is a marvelous, marvelous opportunity for advocates to come together and to learn. That I highly recommend any advocates to uh, find a way to get there because it's, it's phenomenal. It's changed how we've done our advocacy work. And in fact, out of the Ontario Bike Summit, we developed a Southwestern Ontario Bike Summit. Uh, it started in London, Ontario, and now uh, we've had two years where Southwestern groups have come together. And it's, it's you know, we're grassroots, we're self-funded, nobody's paying our bills, but uh, we're passionate about making our communities stronger, making our communities more resilient and friendlier, right? Um, connecting our neighbors to neighbors. And advocacy groups are fun that way. So mm-hmm. I would take advantage of whatever you can find near you. Advocates are friendly and uh, they want to share their passion and what they know and uh, help other communities to build. Sarnia too, right? Sarnia's, Sarnia's doing some great work with their health unit um, and they've come to some of our events. So yeah, keeping that uh, network across the province is really important. And of course, we work with our friends in Detroit because our communities are so connected. Mm-hmm. And it makes so much sense for organizations to share information, their insights and experience, because we're not competing with each other in this, right? There's no No, winners and losers in developing cycling infrastructure. Yeah, we're all winners because we all travel. Uh, Those of us who can do travel, and we love nothing more than taking our bicycles with us and exploring uh, new regions. And uh, my partner and I were up in Prince Edward County this summer because we'd heard so much about that great region, and it was great. We took our bikes, we rode, and had a marvelous time. So cycle tourism is huge, and that's where you meet people from across the province and broaden your horizons and your perspective on what your city could really become. That's terrific, Lori. Thanks so much for sharing your insights and experiences with us on Rural Spark today. I think there's a lot of communities across Canada that like to do more in this area, and you've given some real practical advice, which we really appreciate. And uh, we'll keep an eye on what's happening down there with those cycling wine tours. That sounds very interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. (laughs) You know where to come. Okay. Thanks, Lori. You have a great day. You as well. Bye-bye. And thanks to all of you for joining us this week on Rural Spark. Our team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Seabarth. Music is by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.